Hello, and welcome to IAOP's podcast series, PulseCast, where we explore topics big and small in a world of collaborative partnerships. Thank you for joining us, and now the host of PulseCast. Hi, I'm Amanda Safdar, and welcome to this episode of IAOP's PulseCast. Today we'll be listening in on our day two opening session from Gov20, brought to us by Hanover Insurance and Syrian Labs. We'll learn how Hanover Insurance's procurement function is driving the above transformational shift within the organization. An important part of this transformation has been leveraging AI-powered technology, including the Syrian Contract Lifecycle Management Platform to improve visibility and align across the supplier lifecycle from pre-signature to post-signature. Enjoy. We're thrilled to kick off this morning's program with a case study in partnership between Syrian Labs and Hanover Insurance. The session is entitled Procurement Transformation, Unlocking the Full Potential of Third-Party Relationships at Hanover Insurance. And to get us started, please now allow me to introduce Mark Wojtek, Chief Customer Officer, Syrian Labs. Mark, it's all yours. Great, thank you. We'll do some quick introductions. As Debbie mentioned, I'm the Chief Customer Officer of Syrian Labs. Recently joined a couple of months ago from Ernst & Young, where I headed up the Outsourcing and Advisory Group uh, for EY uh, in the Americas. Uh, we've got Siraj with us today. Siraj, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Siraj Prashad, uh, and I'm the Chief Procurement Officer at the Hanover Insurance Group in Western Massachusetts. We're going to do, do a little bit of Q&A today um, to get through the topic and provide some details on the journey of Hanover and also a little bit about the role that Serion Labs is playing with, with that group. And to kick it off, really the first question is, you know, Siraj's background is, is with a large company and uh, really wanted to get to a sense of what was it like transforming yourself and transferring from a large company like MetLife now to Hanover in a senior, senior leadership role? First off, thank you, Mark, for the opportunity to talk with you. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I will tell you this, is that from moving from, from my previous firm, from MetLife, uh, you know, it was a global firm. You know, it was, you know, acquiring a company, you know, this day, next day, the next year, right? Growing bigger and bigger. Uh, therefore, we always had new challenges to face. Um, it was exciting. All across the globe, learning about multiple cultures and everything else. But, you know, as my career was uh, moving, you know, moving upwards, uh, leading the services area for, uh, for, for MetLife in terms of procurement, which included stuff like global investments, global legal, our property and casualty group and such. I also saw that, look, you know, I'm, I'm out there in the circuits talking about best practices in green space areas, places that they don't like procurement in. And I thought, what is the next challenge? And I realized that, you know, I could have probably coasted as a, an AVP at MetLife for a little bit, but coasting wasn't part of my uh, DNA. But apart, you know, I like to fix things. I like to have the next challenge to, to, to get through. And, and, but also, too, I also want stability in terms of a career, in terms of making something, you know, a lifelong vision. And the Hanover Insurance Group, this position, you know, for Chief Procurement Officer really kind of fell in my lap. It was it was amazing. I had a conversation with the recruiter, and all of a sudden, after one plane trip to 
to a place I couldn't even find on a map, Worcester or Worcester, what it looks like, Massachusetts. And I'm sure that anyone from, from Central Mass would probably, you know, throw darts at the screen here. Um, they're going to, you know, I didn't know where it was, but when I, I fell in love with the company, but also too, during my interview with a lot of the leaders, I saw that there's a lot of opportunity. And for me, opportunity meant a better career, you know, a, a chance to, to really make a name for myself to also help a company because I really love what strategic sourcing, what procurement can do for organization when it's done right. So the thing is, from a larger corporation where you had a back office, you know, pulling daily reports for you every day, you know, um, and you also had you know, unlimited market intelligence, almost coming down into, you know, a, a smaller company outside the Fortune 500, but on the way up, because uh, handovers just, once again, making great strides. Um, all of a sudden, you know, what I'm seeing here is that, you know, this, if we do these things, like little tweaks here, little tweaks there, we can make incremental changes. Um, but it's also kind of like the Wild West. It's like trying to fix these things and saying, oh, my gosh, guys, look what we can do here. And they found, you know, that for me was exciting, right? Um, some people might, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, pe some people might say to you, hey, look, you know, this, there's a lot to fix. It might seem kind of arduous, but for me, it was exciting. And that excitement brought me, you know, that brought me that energy that I needed to come over from, from Met to the Hanover. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, like last week was one year in, and it's been very, very, you know, rewarding. We, you know, doubled, if not tripled, our bottom line savings. And now that we're, you know, quantifying our cost avoidance, we have quadrupled our, our cost avoiding the savings uh, from, from the uh, year prior to today. So once again, while savings doesn't really matter, establishing that governance, establishing that rigor and that, you know, and that tried and true practice and best practices, that's my vision. And, and we get to live this day by day. We are nowhere near to the end result, but we're getting there. We, we, we talked yesterday about you can't, manage something if you don't measure it. So really a metrics-based approach. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit about that as, as we go forward. One of, the other one of the other questions that we talked about um, and we wanted to prep for, people talk about third-party risk management and, mm -hmm. and, I, and TPRM, and, and I actually add an R to that. So it's TPRRM, third-party mm -hmm. risk and relationship management which brings in a connotation of operational excellence and, and also the ability to create that foundation to be able to measure things and, and drive the analysis and drive insights and actions. Can you talk a little bit about some things you're doing in that realm? Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, so I kind of lose what beforehand. So let's just kind of tie into a little bit about that data piece there first, right? When I first entered into the handover, um, you know, the first thing I asked for, as any other new CPO has most likely asked for, is for that data and understanding the efficacy of that data, you know, how legitimate that data is. Because I really say, and even then, if my partner as the VP, uh, with the data, uh, VP of data analytics, you are only as good as your data, right? We need to understand the velocity of that spend. We need to understand how many suppliers we have. Better yet, what do we have in scope? What is out of scope? What's managed? What's unmanaged? What's procurable? What's not procurable? Trying to figure all that stuff out, right? Because even then, we may have, you know, a subset of procurable spend, 
but are these the most strategic suppliers that you should be dealing with? I, come, I came from an area where, you know, I kind of made my mark at MetLife by going into areas that didn't want procurement there. They did not want that governance because they knew how to buy. Everyone knows how to buy. We have Amazon. The pandemic, how many boxes do you see outside your garage or your apartment? Um, it's, it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> you can build a little city. Everyone knows how to buy. But how many people know how to source? And once again, just talking in, you know, understanding and listening and learning, aligning with senior leaders, getting that data, putting it together. And by the way, too, with that data, for me, you know, I was used to having it done and sent from people from our back office in India, sending it to me on a daily, on a daily report. So I knew what was expiring, what was coming down the pipe, what projects were taking too long, stagnating. I had none of that information out of the gate with the exception of my contract management system, which was Syrian Labs, which is how I came to, you know, once again, to, to learn about your team, Mark, and everything. But the fact that we had that kind of rigor was, you know, once again, a foundation for me, for us to set where we're going, right? Because once I knew what suppliers we had in our system and how long we've had them, and also too, frankly, um, you know, the level of statement of works, the idea that I can search on closets, to make sure that we term for convenience. These are important things for me to get to that TPRM piece, right? To get the TPRRM, as you would say. See, once I matured in strategic sourcing, it wasn't just about the savings in that life, it was about the relationships. I always told my business lines, I wasn't here for the cheese log at Christmas time. You know, that's your job. I'm here to make sure that you have the best relationship. That's, that's what I'm helping you for. But I'll tell you, Relationship management is so important. I know we'll touch on that a little bit later, but I'll tell you that relationship management is really that special, you know, that, that special sauce, right, for, for strategic sourcing. If, we, if, the, if your business partners, your suppliers, they understand what your vision is, they truly understand, and they understand the ebbs and flows of the market of how you're doing and not worried about the next SOW, but worried about, and worried about how to make you evolve so that the next SOW flows organically, that's really important. I, and what, I what, I'm sorry, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I agree. And I think from a third party risk management perspective, I really want mm -hmm. to take the emotion out of the negotiations or the reactions to your ecosystem, which would include right. your vendors and maybe even your delivery centers. I, I, I think what we try to do is provide an unbiased service of record so again, mm -hmm. taking the emotion out of proactively managing your vendors. And then, then there's a concept is if we do this right, internal audit is almost out of business, right? Because we've checked boxes around validation of the invoices, uh, mm -hmm. driving uh, uh, service level excellence through performance management. You've mm -hmm. got a great handle on your contracts and your deliverables and obligations mm -hmm. are all being organized, tracked, and you're, again, proactive to that as opposed to it's really the last thing you do at, in, in, in your monthly, weekly, daily meetings. Absolutely correct. You know, for me, that proactivity is so important. And I'll tell you what, our internal audit team will find other things to focus on, I promise you. You know, for me, internal audit's my best friend right now because they, they're going to help me show what's broken, what's best in class, and how do we have to get there, right? And, you know, once again, making allies throughout the company, especially in compliance, internal audit, uh, it, with our risk management groups, especially say, hey, look, we do these things, 
all throughout the company, but we don't do it, you know, homogeneously. We have to get to that, you know, kind of peanut butter smooth here and get there. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a smooth peanut butter guy. But I'll tell you this, um, you know, once we start figuring this out, third-party risk management, of course, is in vogue. It's not just in vogue, it's the future, right, of strategic sourcing. You know, supplier relationship management is the future and the evolving evolution of strategic sourcing. Um, TPRM is so important, but I'll tell you this, is that, you know, with with TPRM and governance, it's like the chicken and the egg here in this case, right? We have to have great governance to have great TPRM, which means that we have to have a centralized home for it, number one. So number two, we have to have that communication and buy-off with the leaderships so they, so they know. They know that this is coming. And not only is it coming, but here's, here is the rigor of what is coming. Here's the, you know, once again, how many times a month or how many times a year are we going to meet for critical suppliers, major suppliers, but also, too, the expectations go to the suppliers, too. Here's what we expect from you. Understand that you're being labeled a critical supplier. With that comes great responsibility, especially because we have labeled you this. We know what you bring to the company. So with that said, yes, there is going to be more scrutiny, but, you know, it's not going to be scrutiny if you treat it like that. It can be something beneficial, mutually beneficial, that win-win, that relationship management brings us. Um, you're right about the fact that, you know, once again, that we, if we can do this in a very, you know, once again, rigor, with good rigor and with good intention, that we can reduce the amount of, you know, challenges like, for example, uh, of, of invoice auditing and such, but you know what? I'm glad that we have these things to look at because once again, we get a chance to make it right. Well, we, you, you almost become, um, you also have to sell this, right? Because you, you have executive support as, as we talked about, but, but also the communication and change management with your stakeholders to constantly remind them of the job that you're doing and, and what you're saving them, um, what you're taking off their plates, and then as we talked about, the ability for your organization or the buyers that are out in the fields to create an environment where it's not just checking the box for compliance, it really is driving to insights and action. Oh, precisely, absolutely. You know, look, I mean, I say you're only as good as your data. If no one knows what you're doing, then you must be working in a vacuum. For me, you know, I always say we succeed loud and we fail louder. Right? We let people know when something's going awry so that they're aware of it as soon as possible, right? Because if sourcing fails, what does that usually lead to? Cost increases, most likely, or better yet, or worse yet, rather, you know, a, even total supplier failure. And that's what TPRM is supposed to help us, you know, help us mitigate. And we're, you know, once again, that buy-off, you know, I say there's juice box moments and champagne moments. Every, every little win that we have, you know, once again, at soccer game, you get juice boxes at the end, but... Now that we're growing up, so we have the big deals, we have the champagne moments, we celebrate them, we let everyone know that these things are happening, but also to remind them, how did we get there? It happened because we have a TPRM process installed. It happened because we have that governance and we also we had that rigor, but also too, we had the buy-in from your support. Give yourself a round of applause because you helped us succeed. I see that, um, I, I know we had talked about you recently rebranding your team. Yes. And um, I guess it, it kind of begs the question, I know we've talked about it, but I think the audience would like to know, 
you know, what's the thought process behind that and what's the pickup that you've gotten? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, a lot of this ties into, once again, how do you build a baseball team, right? Are you building it around a good first baseman or a good pitcher? You know, for me, I looked, I had to go look internally at my team. I had to go look at the business lines. I had to go look at our suppliers to see how strategic sourcing was, you know, was, was, was looked at. And we were called the Hanover Strategic Sourcing Office for the longest time. And when I, when I saw the work that we were doing, very little of it was strategic and very little of it was sourcing because, you know, whether it was previous leadership or whether it was, you know, once again, just people got accustomed to dumping certain things to us and our team, you know, once again, didn't know they could say no to certain things. We were taking on loads of things that were supposed to go to kind of other groups, whether it was legal or compliance or risk or somebody, we were taking it on and we were just negotiating contracts. For me, that's not that's a no non-starter for me. I want to get into supplier relationships, and also too, I want not only want to be a strategic sourcing organization, I want to be a procurement organization. But frankly, as you go to that extra R in your TPRRM, which I love by the way, it's I want to focus on relationships. So not just relationships with the suppliers, but the relationships with my customer, which is my business line the relationship with our, you know, with our end customers, the claimants and the owners or the policyholders. We want to make sure that their life cycle is, you know, once again, constantly renewed with us. So we renamed ourselves the SPARC, which is Sourcing Procurement and Relationship Consultants. And what we're doing here in this case is that we are focusing on the relationship at the end. And the beginning too are the usual actions of sourcing and procurement of how we buy things, when we buy things. The sourcing is the when, the before procurement is the buy, and relationship and consulting is that circle all the way around. But also too, I had to start creating an, an uh, I guess, emotion of, of early engagement, right? The, the, the mission of early engagement. And when, do, when does a spark happen? At the beginning. So therefore they're thinking about a couple of things, right? So they're thinking, okay, when, when should we, we wanna have a supplier and who should we call? sourcing, right? But I'll tell you this, is that going back to how you build your team, it, it all went back to data, right? The fact is that going back to what Syrian Labs have for us, which is that framework, that base, you know, we, I could pull the reports from there and Syrian helped me do that with the, and get the analysis and so that we can have those insights for our suppliers. To know where to start first, right? Where to start first with our suppliers and also to who owned it throughout the company. So I can go reach out to them and say, hey, look, you have a statement of work. You have a statement of work. Let's all get together. Let's talk holistically. Because a challenge of any company is to break down those silos. Because when people get into work, they can just get to work and not think about the big picture, no matter if they are big picture people. They have to think even bigger. And that's another reason why I love this job. Because we can go run through these walls like the Kool-Aid man, kind of essentially, back in the 80s commercials, and, you know, make a difference, right? We can say, hey, look, let's get you all together. Let's take a minute to pause and think about your strategy and your strategy. And Syrian also, you know, in fact, the matter is for those clauses, I have an idea now of what kind of governance to say. When do you want to buy something? Are we already using it somewhere else? That kind of question. You know, people, people want to buy the next thing. It's a good feeling, dopamine rush, if you will. But for me, you know, we can utilize and converge, or, or better yet, for buying something new, we're taking something out, right? It's kind of like a, 
a shirt in the closet, right? You want in, old one goes to goodwill, that kind of deal. But what happened was is that just by a name change, right? And that might realize this is a name change, but the name change and the, the, the intentions and the actions of the team, of my team, was a revitalization. These folks are now focused on the future, on focus on forward-looking, on a pipeline. And that, of course, for Syria was great for us, putting together that pipeline for me, 18 to 24 months. We were looking at three months in terms of a contract expiration. Unacceptable for me. We're going way out there now so that people understand that, look, you're thinking about the future. We're thinking about two years in the future. If you need to think about three years, we're there too. We'll get to that point. But I want to show you the fact that Here's what successes we can have if we add a little bit of pressure to the relationships that need some challenging. And with that partnership, with the listening, learning, aligning of our leadership, as well as listening to my own team and understanding what can I take off their plate so they can focus and be those relationship consultants, you know, we have seen just a tremendous amount of success. And I can't wait to see what the future brings. I think the rebranding is, is the right idea and it gives you a new platform to, to expand on. Um, you know, one, one of the other questions that we had talked about, you know, when we think about governance and we think about the ecosystem, it really expands beyond the, your strategic providers, you know, obviously into maybe that next level, depending on your, your vendor segmentation. It, it even mm -hmm. goes beyond, but from a buy side, sell side, um, overall contract, um, a, a contract management, you know, system, I guess, what's next for the procurement organization as it looks at governance and procurement transformation? Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you that, that the evolution of governance is so key because one, one thing that we've noticed is that, it, that, you know, as the challenges happen with the pandemic, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, for every company across the board who didn't have this kind of governance ready to go, it was what, you know, what are we doing right today? What are, what, what, what should we be looking at in the future? So therefore, you know, this pandemic brought the opportunity of bringing several groups together to say, hey, look, we should be working together on this. We should be putting um, a focus on overarching governance about not just how do we buy, but when do we buy? What, what, what tool do we use to buy? Is it a purchase card or is it a PO? Or is it a disbursement if it's a certain thing that requires that or is it a claim checking? Just by setting that, is that setting that groundwork? Now, the fact of the matter is, is that that governance work is, is so interesting because you know, the fact of the matter is, is that one challenge opens up five others. And, those, and, and that way you start delineating those things making sure we have a process for those things. And that's why the current policy at so many companies is 30 to 90 pages long. I think the constitution is what, 10 pages long, but a current policy is like 90 pages long. But what happens is it has all the SOPs and flows of all the things we have to think about before we buy something. Because otherwise the phrase rogue spend and tail spend come into play too many times that we're buying things that we shouldn't be buying um, or better yet, we're buying things in a vacuum because we don't know what other folks are buying. That's where the strategic part of sourcing comes through to me, right? And the sourcing piece of it, finding those suppliers and, you know, utilizing the suppliers we have 
first already in with good contract terms, right? With advantageous terms, mutual beneficial terms for both of us. And also to areas where you can make that pie bigger, to make that discount bigger. You know, once again, buying smarter. That's what the governance is giving us. And the fact of the matter is that, of course, too, I think the big thing in vogue, yes, is TPRM, the data security, working with your um, GISO office, your security, information security office is so important to, you know, all the way around. We, you know, our, our CISO and myself, we're, we're, we're in lockstep all the way through. We understand what best in class looks like, but also, too, we, we also know that a smaller company has to evolve into that, right? You can't just you can't just wear the shoes. It's more like clown shoes, right? We have to grow a little bit. We have to get you know once again get a little bit more mature in terms of our buying practices, our governance practices, involving people like Ocean's Eleven. You have to get your you know you have to get your team together. So you have your legal, your compliance, your information security, your head of IT, your head of HR, all of it all together, right? Everyone makes an opinion or makes a piece of this team that makes it well oiled. As a reminder that guess what you all are doing something that causes good buying action right and smarter decision making with our supply base i, I think, I think the other thing that you're doing obviously you mentioned policy guide and i know we've talked about the governance playbook so as you define your governance organization and you define the roles mm -hmm. and responsibilities you figure out what tasks and activities can be done either onshore offshore or with technology You've kind of got that service delivery breakdown and that operating model. You've kind of defined the workflow, again, looking at what the people are able to do, clearly defining the responsibilities. It also, yes. it, it, it does create that foundation that you were laying out. Again, not just to how you can run your, your, your operations, your procurement group more efficiently and effectively, but as important, how you can deliver great service to your stakeholders. So maybe a few comments on that. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, I, I will tell you that you, you, <laughs> um, I, I know that you and I have been talking an awful lot about this, but because, you know, just it just, you know, kind of flows that greatly because I, I will tell you that, you know, understanding our ecosystem is so important, right? Uh, and understanding where, where, how, and most importantly, how do we measure those benchmarks of what is best in class, good in class, and what can we tolerate? What's our tolerance level for risk? which each one of those things that we think about, about who does this work, when do we do that work? You know, it goes back to the tenets of supplier, you know, supplier sourcing, strategic sourcing, but also too, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's just not, not just buying the next thing is how we buy it, the intention of buying it, as well as the future outlay of, you know, once again, if we're pulling something out like in, like in Jenga, does the tower fall or, or, you know, are we stabilized? Make those decisions one at a time as opposed to 18 decisions at once. Um, with regards to, you know, with regards to the insourcing, the outsourcing, the BPO, all these things, right? It has to have that value, that, R, that ROI. It has to have that, you know, once again, are we saving time? Are we truly saving time? Are we truly saving money? The fact of the matter is, it's not just total cost of ownership, right? And yes, it, 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 TCO is so important. But we have to remember what that time value of money as well, which is also TCO applicable as well. But separating that, understanding how much time we're investing into making something like this work. When is that payback? Is it 10 years? Is that really what you want 10 years? Or is it five years? Is it three years? So the fact of the matter is that the more mature we get, 
the, the, the harder questions we get to ask. And we get to frustrate the life out of certain people sometimes. I know we do. Um, but the fact of the matter is everyone knows that we have the best intentions for, you know, for not just for our team, not for just for them, but also for the company, right? So hopefully, uh, hopefully I answered that question. No, it's funny because when I, I was talking to another client about a playbook, and I said, I'm not sure if it's a cookbook or a Bible. And it's probably somewhere <laughs> between the two. But we, we want it where it's not just static on the shelf. And then mm -hmm. to circle back to that other comment that I made, it really does become that foundation where, and as a former mm -hmm. Big Four partner, I guess I need, to be, I, I need to be cautious with the statement. But putting internal audit out of business truly, truly is a goal. The other goal uh -huh. is to have a group and an organization that mm -hmm. if, if, if you and I went away, could that entity still, still fulfill, right? Could it, could it keep going? Yes. And so that's the, yeah. that's the content. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I want to make this a lifelong career, right? Um, you know, I think the people at the Hanover are some the most fantastic folks I've ever met. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, the vision and where you know, be a part of something that is, has already has a long and great history, but also is, you know, growing, you know, day by day, even amidst the pandemic is a fantastic thing, right? But I'll say this is that, yes, I mean, we have, it's not just building that legacy, it's building what happens next. And also too, those jobs in internal audit, you know, they're probably going to come hop on over to my governance team, not right. Wood, right? Um, because you, because what happens is, is that they're going to be providing that level of scrutiny. They're going to be providing that love, you know, once again, that level of, Hey, look, this is, you know, abiding by this process, fixing this process here can fix eight other problems down the future, right? right. If we do the right thing, if we have that, if we have that buy off and partnership and also to not just that playbook, but also to that training and that coaching of everybody, right? Because once again, everybody said everybody can buy. Everyone has threshold limits in what they can buy, but every little thing that you buy, all of a sudden, you know, fix, you know, that entire diaspora of what we have of our supplier spend and suppliers, you know, amalgamation, it makes things, you know, are we, are we adding more complexity to it? Are we breaking something by adding something? Is it that straw that breaks the camel's back? These, this governance plan, right, this playbook, this, you know, that focus should, you know, once again, you know, finding different ways to do it, whether it's e-training, whether it's crayons, whether it's whatever, right? We have to figure out a way to speak to the people, make it interesting to them, and also make it applicable to them. You know, the fact of the matter is the future for me is, yes, the simplification of how we buy things where they're buying by a process, but they're not thinking that they're doing it, right? Once again, that guided buying mentality of, okay, well, I guess I have to buy something. You go to the buy page and you figure out, am I buying a consultant service? Am I buying a software? Am I buying a major software? That kind of thing. So that way it lets us know. And also too, most importantly, when do you want to buy it, right? Because once again, if we're involved and we have to be involved, that cue gets them to be more proactive and brings us all in. So once again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if we do things the right way and we're gonna get to that point. I know a lot of folks are excited uh, not just at Hanover, but other companies too, because once again, it doesn't become a surprise, right? They know that this is the rigor of where we have to get to. Be, be, before we get into the last question, and I know we didn't necessarily rehearse this, but I saw on LinkedIn that you're doing recruiting, and I think yeah. kudos to you and your kudos to you and your team, two, three, four mm -hmm. X 
hitting your, your, your savings targets again, probably by having a lot of the things institutionalized and a lot of processes mm -hmm. and leveraging technology, but maybe, mm -hmm. maybe just a quick, you know, what, what are the roles and we might as well call it out and, 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 and obviously growth in procurement is <laughs> a good thing. Look, first of all, I got to say this couldn't do it without, you know, without my partners in Syria, right? Because uh, Syria had, has given me once again, that pipeline of, wait a minute, when has this been sourced last? Are you kidding me? We got to go out to bid. We got to do this tomorrow. Get to right. yesterday. Um, you know, creating that internal pressure in my team of three months ain't good enough. Eighteen months ain't good enough. You have to get out there, right? Um, you know, I, I will tell you. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, you know, we had a retirement of uh, one of um, one of my best uh, leaders on my team. Um, you know, she gets to spend more time for grandkids, which makes me so happy. Um, but also very sad because she was great. She had she had a great person customer service. Um, we're hiring a director for category strategy. Uh, this person here gets to help craft and understand and communicate what's going on with our, you know, with all cross-functional business lines, not just the customer-facing ones, but the internal, the, the services pieces. Um, but also, too, they're going to help train the best practices to our sourcing team, as well as, once again, once again, our, our customers, our, our business line partners, um, but also to the big giant projects. This is going to be this is going to be hopefully that train killer that does those things that we need all across there. So that you say, hey, look, here's this project. We got it. Moving on, right? Bringing that success, but also to bringing some sanity to the numbers. I think that you know that one big thing is the numbers can always be better. We can always communicate it better. I'm a nerd. I live in my dashboards, figuring out what can I do next. How can I convey this message? So much better so that my CFO is like, oh, yeah, I get that. My CEO is like, oh, man, this is great. Yeah, here's 10 more people. You know, That's I understand. Yeah. But, but no, no, but I I'm saying I, that. I, I did share that uh, this morning. So if there's anyone looking, I guess, either hit my link or hit Siraj's. The, the last question, yeah. we've got a couple of minutes left. But um, what are the two or three things executives or procurement people, procurement folks should should consider as they're, as they're kind of progressing their governance and procurement organization. I know we talked about a few of those, but if you had to mm -hmm. distill those down to two or three things. Get the buy-off of leadership. Uh, you have, I talk about Ocean's Eleven, but you have to get a team of leaders who understand what would happen if there was inadequate governance, right? Show them, you know, show them a supplier that got breached. Show them about the fourth party, one of Target's HVAC suppliers that got breached. And that led to another breach. That led to another breach, right? The, the cascading issues. Show them the fact of, you know, once again, of what happens when a, how many scope changes you see per year, to build that case. But build that, build that team of of, of of the patriots who will help you succeed. Who understand from their lens that okay, this is a good reason. So legal compliance, internal audit, um, human resources, IT, right? And of course, the end user that, you know, if you have whatever it is, if it's manufacturing, manufacturing pieces or whatever your profit making area is, right? Making sure that they are part of that system too. But that's number one, right? Number two is understand that Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't slap a 90 page document on an organization that is, that is, that is just learning. It takes baby steps. It takes small moments. It takes incremental wins. They get to the bigger wins, 
right, and say, hey, look, we're doing it this way. Would you believe that we've been doing something that's a best practice? Let's do this throughout the entire company. Because what happens is the, the bad part about it is this, Mark, don't do it right. You create that bottleneck, which creates a negative connotation, which, which creates low spend, the exact opposite of what you want to make. So, you know, those are my two big tenets, right? And the final the third thing is this, celebrate the wins. Celebrate them loudly. Let people know when it happens, and especially for other CPOs out there, this is your name recognition. This is your line in the sand. You have to show people what is happening, and you can do it. I know that, you know, once again, that's why folks like me are in this role, is that we are, you know, we're loud, we're boisterous, but also, too, we're effective. And, you know, once again, it goes back down to that data. It goes back down to my partnership with my, with my own best practice partners. So thank you, Mark, once again for this time. Thank you for letting me uh, re recruit a little bit, too, at the very end. Yep. I'd like to thank IAOP, Siraj, I'd like to thank you for your time uh, today and, and obviously the last several months as we've gotten to know each other and really looking forward to spending more time with, with, with you and, and, and your team and also IAOP. So, so thank you to everyone. Likewise, thank you, IAOP. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Good. Thank you. Thank you.